Dance Your Heart On Fire podcast episode number 83. And how long did that last until you found out about Kizomba? Oh, after salsa, there was still a little bit of batata. And then my crush was Brazilian zouk. And really? I was really into Brazilian zouk, like for maybe two years going to festivals, parties. Yeah. Yeah. You usually don't hear a lot of people switching from Brazilian Zouk to kids. I did. I did. Because I went to, afterwards, once I went to Paris. And yeah, and that was it. (laughs) El mundo acabarse hoy Baby, tú estás más seguro en mi cama Vamos a morir matando la cana Que ya se acaba hoy Baby, déjame entrar Adentro de ti quiero acabar Hay un caos en nuestra habitación Se acelera más tu corazón Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles of the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast coming at you with another weekly episode. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, I'm excited to have my friend on the line here, Maria Alpas from, I guess, originally from Poland, but now in Paris. And so... We'll get into that, but thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to sit and have a chat. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Yes, this has been kind of like my my mini quarantine project <laughs> that I've been starting <laughs> up and I'm just interviewing almost almost everybody, but it's good. And I'm glad that you are here with us. So... I guess before we get into the dance journey, everybody knows that this year, 2020, has been really crazy. But uh, how are you doing in Paris? Is everything okay? Yes, it's. Uh, I'm organizing myself here. It's really fresh because I moved in here like... I'm here for three weeks, I guess. So, so because my plans really changed completely. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've, everything is working out. So I'm really happy that I'm here and that I managed that in this crazy time, I actually managed to move to Paris because that's what I wanted to do for a long time. So now I had the opportunity and yeah, I'm really sure. happy about it. So mm. for those people who are listening, can you explain why a Kizomba person would want to live in Paris? Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Well, compared to Warsaw, uh, I didn't really have a partner there. I didn't have the opportunity to train regularly uh, 
with a partner. So to, to practice my couple dance. And uh, here there's a lot of people that are motivated, that really want to grow and improve their dance. Really a lot of teachers, um, a lot of amazing dancers. Uh, with whom I can train, I can exchange, uh, I can work with and collaborate with. So it gives me much more, many more opportunities here in Paris. Definitely. Um, I feel like, I guess, I guess it depends on where you're living, but Paris could be considered one of the top countries in the world or top cities in the world for Kizomba in general, and especially for urban sure. kids. Yeah, for sure. And it's like yes. its own ecosystem because you guys have awesome, you guys have awesome DJs there as well. So there's the instructors, there's the high level dancers, and there's the DJs, and then of course I guess now organizers. But I guess you guys are kind of like getting back into the swing of things with some dance events, yeah. Oh, well, yes and no, because since, yes, we do have some events, but recently there were some uh, new restrictions. So actually mm. big parties in Paris got canceled because of that. Sadly, actually, it's more difficult to organize things here in Paris, especially for like nightlife or parties, mm. things like that. Uh, yeah. Nice. But otherwise, otherwise we do have small events and uh, organizers are working hard to 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 yeah to 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 do things and mm-hmm. to keep keep working. For sure, I saw not too long ago that uh, Cal Sway was closing. Yeah. Yeah, Saida, like one of the biggest parties in uh, Paris for urban kids, uh, also closed a few days ago. So so yeah, it's. Um, it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to the dance ecosystem, you know, because um, a lot of studios are closing and then the venues are closing where events used to happen and things like that. So it's going to be curious to see like when things start to reopen that back again, how do you kind of like reclimbing and get back to where you were True, before, you know? but for the moment for example um i give regular classes here in paris uh, mm-hmm. so the dance school luckily is still open we didn't have to close the dance school uh and also some teachers like for example gp and steffi they organize uh, classes themselves mm. themselves so um you know, there are people that want to give classes, teach or meet together and dance even in small groups. So for sure, uh, people are really motivated to keep on dancing, keep on learning. Uh, it's not on the same scale. For sure, some people will have a longer break in dancing because of mm-hmm. parties getting canceled and stuff like this. But um, there are also this small small communities amongst friends and uh, that you know keep the vibe going and the dance the dance um that makes sense no it's good to hear uh i'm curious how far is paris from warsaw kilometers (laughs) or like uh, hours uh, of a train or driving by car uh uh-huh so I can tell you by bus, it's 24 hours, 24 hours by bus, but we've, you know, with some stops along Mm -hmm. the way. And And by plane, it's like one hour and a half, something like that. It depends on the connection. It can be one hour and a half, two hours, something like that. 
Does it take so, so long to drive because there's mountains or? No, I think it's just, I think it's just um, that for the bus and the connection to have more people, they go a little bit around, you know, not the shortest way because they stop along the way. So they need mm. to choose spots where they will get a lot of people for the, for the, uh, for the ride. I got you. I see. I see. Okay. So now that we've had a little bit, I guess, of an idea of like current life and with COVID in Paris, uh, let's talk a little bit about your dance journey. I want to say the first time I saw a video of you is when you were dancing with uh, Woltek. And I guess yes. that was, I guess, a really, really long time ago. Yeah. And yeah, I remember seeing. Yeah, yeah, long time ago. True. Well, I started Kizomba in 2012. And I want to say it was around 2012, 2013, maybe 2014 that I saw some videos of you guys. Really? Does that sound about right? That was that early, 2014? I'm not sure if it. I'm really bad with uh, numbers and years. I never remember the what year was it, how old I was. So it's hard to say, but I think it's rather 2015, 2016, even 2017. It was not that long time ago. I'm, I'm sure maybe the video you're talking about is Wojtek with... Um, Sara Lopez. Maybe that was the video that you saw in was 2012. Was before with, you guys partnered? Yeah, for sure. It was a long time before. Mm, few years, okay. few years I'm looking before. on YouTube right now and I see mm -hmm. a video of Woltek and Sarah that was five years ago. And then there's Woltek and Federica that was five years ago. Here's and one I with think, you three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so, so that was after. Mm -hmm. That was after. That was after. Okay. Um, so before we get into you meeting Woltek and everything like that, were you born and raised in Warsaw? Yes, born and raised in Warsaw. And first time I moved somewhere else. Till now I was living, yes. It's the first time I moved somewhere else. Mm. So how was life growing up in Warsaw? And I guess, how did, did you dance when you were younger in Warsaw? Mm -hmm. uh, it was ordinary, <laughs> ordinary life. And for dancing, when it comes to dancing in general, I started when I was... Uh, in primary school, I had obligatory dance classes, but it was like very basic level. It was just for kids uh, to 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 have uh, some activities apart from uh, usual classes. So yeah, so I had uh, like ballroom dancing and some modern dance as supplementary classes when mm -hmm. I was young. Uh, and then, and it was when I was in primary school, then as a teenager, I was also trying different styles from ballroom to jazz, maybe some hip hop, dance hall. Um, I was going to dance camps, but it was all rather as activities after school and like 
um, my, I was more focused on school, I guess, and it was mm-hmm. the priority. So depending on if I had exams or if my parents were available, you know, to drive me, pick me up from classes, I was either there or not there. I was changing a lot, the, you know, the, the classes that I was taking. So it was never anything intense or anything serious that I was doing. I gotcha. And would you say was ballroom your first partner dance? Oh yeah, but it's so much different than social dancing that I don't even, I've never even thought about it when I think about couple dancing, uh, like it's straight away, I think about social dancing and my start with, with how I started with salsa. Like mm. ballroom dancing had, didn't teach me any kind of connection and following in the way that social dancing does. I gotcha. Mm. And that started with salsa. Yes. How yes. old were you when you started dancing salsa? That's again a difficult question, you know, because <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even sure how the story went because I know it's it was my cousin that introduced me to salsa, and I was still really, really like young. I mean, I was a teenager, and I even had to have like permission from my parents to attend parties. Mm. <laughs> And, and so, so we were going there together, but afterwards, I think I had a break of maybe two years. And then I went back again when I was 18, I started taking classes and everything before I was just attending parties, having fun. I learned a little bit how to dance and, you know, with the guys that were there who were patient enough to dance with me and to teach me a little bit or just have fun with me. But it was I was 18 years old when I started taking classes and really, you know, dancing very intense, intensively and learning, learning a lot. Nice. That's awesome. Mm. Did you start teaching at all or did you do any shows or anything like that when you were in the Latin dancing? Well, yes, I actually started teaching pretty early. Uh, It was maybe one year and a half after that I started or two years after, after that. And I started teaching salsa. Um, I was in a choreography group for salsa, even once for bachata (laughs) that I don't dance so much. But so I did some shows. It was not a lot. I did not get a lot of experience in that. But yes, there was a part uh, in my life where I did some shows and um, I was in a choreography team. And one kind of random question is the... The official language of Poland is obviously Polish, yeah? Um, yes. And the English, is that taught in schools there or is it a variety yeah. of languages? Uh, we do have a variety of languages, but English is the main one. And usually you choose other languages as second, you know, second language apart from English. There are mm. some schools that can offer... Uh, instead of English, like German and uh, maybe French or Russian, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not, I'm really not up to date with how the school looks like nowadays. It was mm. still seven, eight years ago, you know. So maybe mm. something changed. Maybe I'm not up to date. I think English is the is the main language. I got you. Schools. And how many languages do you speak now? 
just Polish, English, and French. French, I'm still learning, but I can communicate. <laughs> y no hablas español? Uh, I can understand, uh, but I don't speak. I don't speak Spanish. Maybe that that's going to be my next language to mm. to learn. Yeah, next goal. I speak English and Spanish, and then I'm learning a little bit of French now. But it's a little bit slower because I'm not surrounded by French speakers. Exactly. It definitely helps when you're surrounded by the language and you kind of don't have a choice to... You have no idea. You have no idea. Because I learned French at school, mm -hmm. but till now I've never spoken French. I never had the audacity to, you know, to try and speak to people in French. But now that I don't have a choice, people are so surprised that I actually speak French and I can communicate and that actually I have quite a good level. So, yeah, you have no idea how the changes... And um, how is your French accent? It's okay. I think yeah. the, I, we, I can, know some we can try are, a little bit. <laughs> I know some people are sometimes uh, picky about it because um, when I originally started uh, listening to French, I guess through Kizomba, I met like Laurent and you kind of like have the Parisian French. And then I've been to Montreal and they have the Quebecois French. But then mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure when people come from different languages, Uh, then that affects their their French accent, you know. But I guess that's helping that you're in Paris. It's helping. I was uh, in a bilingual school for mm -hmm. French. So I really, I heard a lot of that language. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm also um, pretty good with picking up accents. So it's... Of course, you can hear that I'm not French when I'm speaking, but rather people like it doesn't disturb people when I speak French, my accent, you. you know, it's rather oh cute or oh, where are you from? They are interested and oh, you speak really well French and they're rather, you know, interested and curious. Mm. That's good. And then they're yeah. impressed and, with and interestingly, as well. I don't know if it's because of my accent or my name. Do you think I'm Portuguese? So, mm. <laughs> well, yeah, Maria. When I hear Maria, I usually think of mm. something uh, Latin or something from from Portugal for sure. Yeah. Nice. So you're in Warsaw. You took some salsa classes and you started teaching salsa. And how long did that last? until you found out about Kizomba? Oh, after salsa, there was still a little bit of batata and then my crush was Brazilian zouk. And really? I was really into Brazilian zouk like for maybe two years, going to festivals, parties. Yeah, yeah. You usually don't was... hear a lot of people switching from Brazilian zouk to kids. I did. I did. Because I went to afterwards one, one, once I went to Paris and yeah, and that was it. <laughs> um, so do you know how the scene is for Brazilian Zouk in Paris versus like the Kizomba scene in Paris? Honestly, I don't really dance Brazilian Zouk here, but I know there's one couple Mm -hmm. um that like uh of international uh teachers that that, mm -hmm. that, are, that is here but the zook scene is not really developed here it's very small mm -hmm. and the level is also not that high apart from few dancers that you know travel around go to festivals and really 
want to learn and develop. Um, mm. But otherwise, otherwise, it's not that big, I think. There's maybe one, two parties that I've heard about. Maybe more because I'm not there. I'm not in the scene right now. Um, exactly. And I'm not up to date. But from what I know, it's, yeah, it's rather small. Mm. Mm. I find it interesting because here in the U.S., sometimes I feel like if the Brazilian Zouk is the most popular dance in the city, then the kids isn't as, and then vice versa. If the kids is really popular and that's like the go-to dance, then Brazilian Zouk isn't. And then I also feel like sometimes, you know, you go to some cities and, okay, this city is more urban. This city is more traditional. And here in the U.S., we have a couple of cities where the, the kids is more traditional. And in those scenes, like there's also a kind of like a, I guess, above average Brazilian Zouk scene, but where the scene tends to be a little bit more kid or more urban kids than you don't see a lot of Brazilian Zouk. Okay. Have you noticed any of that? That's interesting. Well, here in Paris, uh, if now that you observe that and you tell me about it, it, it is like that, that the urban key scene is really big and Zouk is very small. But in Warsaw, I think it doesn't really work like that. In Poland, I didn't really see the dependence, the relationship between the two, kind mm -hmm, of. The relationship, the, uh huh? Yeah, so like in in Poland, in some cities like in Krakow, there is a nice scene for Zouk as well as for urban keys. In Warsaw, uh, it's more traditional or like kind of mixed. Mm. And uh, Zouk scene is even better than uh, Kizomba urban keys, but it's, yeah, like it's, it, it's not, there's no connection between the two. Mm, to, to, to me, gotcha. I don't see the, the connection between the two scenes, you know? But it's like that in Paris a little bit. Maybe, maybe. I don't know if like people are less interested in Zouk. I don't see the... Maybe maybe it's not promoted so well. I don't really know what's the, what's yeah, the whole idea. Yeah, interesting to see like, what the factors are. Is it you need good enough teachers? Is it because the promotion? Is it because of opportunities to, to dance and things like that, you know? Um, Probably all feel, of that. <laughs> mm -hmm, for sure, because if there isn't like any strong teachers and they can't get more people to dance and things like that, you know? Um, and I think one of the things that makes kids in Paris, kids in Paris is that the amount of teachers is just super high level and then there's so many teachers so it really helps to create um a yeah, lot of different the scene is yeah. already developed and it's so big and you have so many opportunities to learn and to see the dance to to experience mm -hmm. that and for the parties to and enjoy the promoters to, and the organizers of the yeah. socials as well yeah yeah. Yeah, because sometimes it's hard to do all. It's hard to be the instructor. It's hard to be the organizer and promoter. It's hard to be um, the person that's social dancing all the time. So it's all good when once. everybody can kind of pull together and everybody does their part, you know. Um, but yeah. sometimes when the scene is really small, it's the same person that's promoting, the same person that's teaching, the same person that's DJing, the same person that's taxi dancing, <laughs> and then that person can't last that long because it's just a lot. Yes. You know? 
Yes. Yes. Mm. You know that from your own experience. Yes. From my own personal experience and then like going to other cities here in the United States where they're also trying to grow it. But obviously they still have their jobs or they have families and things like that. So the time that they can dedicate to it is limited, you know, so it's it helps when you have a community that can work together. Um, Yeah, and it's a process. It's a process as well. No, it wasn't me. It's a process to grow uh, um, to grow the scene. So Mm -hmm. for sure, when you're starting when you're starting, the community is small, and then it depends. It depends on uh, on you and on the people uh, how how it's going to develop. Definitely. So, how much Zuko are you doing nowadays? Almost none. Almost none. It's uh, well, actually, there was a time uh, when I was dancing Zook, after, like that I was not taking such a good care of my body in a sense that I was not stretching before, after, not warming up so much. Uh, and I was like really young and didn't think about those things. And afterwards, I had a break uh, in dancing. And was also not really taking care of uh, my physical health, you know. So then I had, I was, I'm, I was just not ready to pick up Zook uh, to 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 make it healthy for my body, you know. And mm. um, now because I'm busy with Urban Keys and Kizomba, and I invest time in this, uh, like I don't, I don't really invest my money to go to Zook festivals. If I'm at a Zook festival, if I'm at a festival where there is Zook, I, I can go and dance a few songs. I, I will enjoy it. But mm-hmm. otherwise, otherwise, I don't really uh, search for opportunities to, to dance Zook. Mm, that makes sense. So since you have done both in a, mm-hmm. I guess, in, you said two years, so that's definitely a commitment. How do you feel like the, the flow of the dance? Because when I learned, I competed in two Jack and Jills for Brazilian Zouk. And I feel like his has helped my musicality overall, just throughout all partner dancing. Um, but I really feel like from the fundamental standpoint of the dance, they're really, really different. And yes, it's possible to fuse them, but they really have two different feelings. Uh, I'm curious how you felt. And I guess I'm mostly even curious, like how you, I guess, ended up choosing kids over Zook over time. Yeah, sure. Uh, so for the feeling is completely different for sure. And sometimes, sometimes I miss it. Uh, but you can have that in kids as well, depending on the partner. You can have a similar feeling in your kiss, but the flowing on the dance floor, all these movements are really something that, um, yeah, that is so different. And then it's such a nice experience for the lady in the mm-hmm. dance. The, yeah, for sure. But for musicality, what you said is so true. Uh, yeah, I love the fact that in Urban Kids you can play so much with the musicality and in uh, Zook is, I don't know if it's more difficult and also like it's not taught as much. Mm. Even the teachers don't use that so much in the dance. They're so much more focused on connection, on the flow, on 
on the, on the timing mm-hmm. on timing but yeah but uh when it comes to musicality it's not so developed when i was yeah. dancing zook there was no focus on musicality as such i agree for sure there's definitely a difference in in the i guess importance of of the musicality and i and i guess even the timing like you hear the boom chick chick or boom boom chick uh, a lot to kind of get that timing into your basic steps and things like that um but in kizomba we don't really have like that basic yeah. rhythm that you're looking for it's just kind of like dancing on the beat but then obviously when you get in urban kids there's so much freedom that you have exactly. to play around with the with the music. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I love. That's what I love about it. And so so that that was one of the things that when I came to Paris like that I fell in love with and that you know you can use all these small movements to interpret the music and catch so many things there. Uh and the the connection is also different and I really enjoyed it. Uh I really liked it. And Another thing is that it's it's easier than Zouk, like technically. It's mm. easier to be really connected with your partner and feel all the little movements and the leading for different things than in, than in Zouk. Zouk is so much more advanced technically. In mm. <laughs> Zouk, it's so much more difficult to be good, to, to be good with the technique, to follow well the partner, to stay connected, like in all those movements, crazy head movements that you mm-hmm. have and things like that to, yeah, it's, it's much more difficult. So in Urban Kids, it's easier to enjoy it and easier to attain a higher level, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's and for me it was also a matter of my health that uh, you know, uh, and my spine and things like that. So because I was not taking care of it, so urban keys like uh, was a was a much nicer choice and healthier choice than um, Zook. <laughs> for sure, it's definitely more demanding and. The counter yeah. axis turns and the head tilts yes. and all those kind of things. That's definitely so you just can't you just can't watch a video and try that because you can definitely uh injure mm. yourself, you know? So it makes sense. And also because I'm really how to say that, really light and sensitive in the dance. I love that um we can use so many little movements in the dance and that we're connected so well that I can feel all parts of my partner, uh, all body parts of my partner moving and I can follow that, you know? That's what's so amazing for me. And um, yeah, I love it. I love it. So I definitely feel the the difference in the musicality and I guess the overall expression and the technique and things like that as well. And so I agree with you that Urban Kids isn't as technically i guess demanding but it does open Mm -hmm. up i guess since we don't have that technique we can focus so much more on the musicality yeah yes yes that it opens up so much more in the dance Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you get a lot of possibilities sorry sorry i just (laughs) interrupted you (laughs) go on i was just going to ask uh, you to tell us the story of how you were into Zook and how that uh, switched to kids. 
Okay, I need to think about it. How did that happen exactly? Well, actually, um, because in Warsaw, mostly you get the parties where you have all den all styles. So mm -hmm. salsa, bachata, kizomba, zouk. Um, and of course, I, I was so much into dancing. I was so crazy about it that I did not want to sit and wait. I, I was learning everything, you know? And obviously, um, there was a time where I just tried, I went to a Kizomba festival and uh, one and then another one uh, in Warsaw. And I was also meeting people and I met some friends that lived in Paris and uh, like also were saying that if I need, uh, I can have a place to stay and things like that. And and um, I just decided to to go to to travel to Paris. Um, and that's that was when the kind of switch happened it was it was also because i think i had a break in zook because uh i was i was working in a dance school uh and uh then also had studies i don't know like i didn't have so much time and money to travel for Zouk and or to to go to parties and i think i had a small break with that Like it's really hard to remember now how exactly that did happen. I don't know, but I know the, the the point that was like really marked my interest and sweet. I switched to urban kids and Kizomba was going to Paris mm. for sure, and I was there like for one month and was dancing every day, was training, going to parties, so. Yeah, that was definitely the beginning of, uh, you know, uh, in, in, investing in my urban kids skills. Very nice, very nice, very nice. So who was your first kids teacher? Oh, wow. I think, well, I mean, I learned, um, I was attending Kizomba classes in Warsaw. So... Uh, I don't really remember exactly with whom I got the first classes. I know there's Anya and Marash in Warsaw that are teaching Kizomba um, or Kizomba Fusion, if you want. And uh, so I was attending their classes. But then I know that I was just going to festivals and dancing a lot. And I learned a lot at parties to be honest i learned a lot through practice because i already knew how to follow i already had the like general dance technique and uh, i learned a lot at festivals dancing with different partners and seeing how they dance how they move also watching videos of course i attended uh, like workshops and classes but i didn't have any like one couple that really influenced me and that I was that I learned a lot from so just kind of like a I guess a mix of a lot of different styles that you picked yes. up on along the way yes yes that's right that's right because in Warsaw the they do not really have urban keys no good level and when when I was starting there was no urban keys I think 
It was just kizomba, some fusion maybe, but no urban kiss classes. I don't remember anything like that. So it was just going to festivals, you know, no regular classes that I could take to learn urban kiss. And definitely it's not the, it, not the same level. If you go to Paris and then you come back to Warsaw, um, uh, yeah, it's a huge, huge difference. So for learning, for improving, it's uh, Paris is the, the place to be. I guess have the people that you were learning from, from like a variety, you know, versus uh, focusing on just from like one particular teacher, you know? Yes, for sure. For sure. And because in the, in the beginning, it's like, I mean, it's a social dance. In mm-hmm. the first place, and there are so many partners that, especially in urban kids, that they dance in different ways. So you need to know how to adapt and how to dance with each of them, and uh, and so it's just through practice and getting you know different styles there uh, uh, when you're dancing, when you're learning from different people. That's 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 the how do you say? <laughs> that's that's useful. That's the, the, the you know you know. What I'm well, yeah, useful. Useful is good. Yes, yes, it's useful to be able okay. to adjust to different styles. Mm-hmm. Did you? Well, even on that note of adjusting to different styles, I feel like the the videos uh, that I see you post. I mean, you have some videos with Uncle Connie. You have some videos with some more urban kids, people like uh, Trezor and things like that. So I feel like you have like this, the spectrum of, of Kizomba down for the most part, based, at least based on uh, what you've been putting out online. I do have Kizomba. You, you're asking if I have like basics in Kizomba, Samba. This, this yeah. is it? This so the question? I, yeah, I'm for sure. That, like being able to adapt to different styles helps you adapt to those different types of dancers yes for, for, for sure for sure uh i it's i like i don't even know if if i can answer the question in any 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 other way yes it helps it helps obviously definitely so how did you start to get better and better at kids how was the road into starting to teach or did you meet Wotech before that or how did that all go? There were two questions and I already forgot one. <laughs> Which one you want me to start with? <laughs> Let's start with how did you level up your kids in Warsaw? And okay. I guess how long was it until you started teaching? So again, uh, if you want to know the time, I, I'm not going to be accurate. I'm not going to be accurate for sure. Um, so, so actually in Warsaw, I was not improving so much. I mean, I was also dancing other styles. So obviously, if, uh, if, you're, if you're simply dancing and um, um, getting more awareness in your body and uh, working with your body, it helps you in kiss, but 
as such, I was not improving in urban keys in Warsaw. I was not training urban keys. I didn't have a partner. I didn't have any training. So it was only when I was traveling, when I was going to festivals or when I was coming to Paris, because from time to time, when I had the opportunity, I was traveling to Paris for the weekend, for one week to to attend parties, to, to train with friends. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it was really, really difficult to improve because I didn't have any regular trainings. It was just when I had possibility to travel that I could, uh, I could train. And a lot of times, if you just go to a festival, you're dancing. So it is a way of training, but it's not the same as a, you know, meeting in a, um, in a dance school or in renting a room and, and training like something particular. So mm. it was hard to improve. And uh, with Wojtek, uh, what was the question? What was the question? Uh, so the first question was, I guess, your growth and kids and things like that. And then the second mm -hmm. question was... I guess, did that lead into how did you meet Wojtek? So we met, we met at a festival. I think it was a festival in Warsaw. Don't remember anymore which festival. And so we connected. We enjoyed dancing together. And he just asked me if I want to make a video with him. And uh, so we made a video, our first video. And after posting it, um, some organizers i think from riga or from latvia contacted us uh, and that, that was our first booking and that was our my our first workshop uh, internationally so mm. that's how it started that's how it started and but to be honest we didn't have so many we didn't have so so many bookings afterwards or you know, he was also living in another city and uh, he was at school. I think I was still at school or I was busy with things and it was hard for us to, you know, to to train together. And so it was only at uh, festivals that we met, the, the, the videos that we got were just from workshops. So it was um, hard to promote. And yeah, it was just the, the, the beginning. I guess, how long did the, the partnership with Wotec last? It's also hard to say because uh, like we got some bookings like one month, then for another one month or two months or three months, we didn't have anything. And then we had some other booking. It was maybe, maybe one year and a half. And uh, then it just kind of ended naturally that we just didn't have any more bookings. We didn't have... Uh, opportunities to meet and to train and everyone got you know busy with other things he was um he he went to university then he he chose he, he changed he chose another university like i don't know we were really um busy with other things investing in other things and uh actually we we never even it was so natural that we started teaching together and then like stopped we didn't we never even really uh agreed like on official partnership you know that we're partners now we never even talked about it it was just natural and then naturally it's like it finished 
there is no even no point where we would have a discussion and uh, you know we're ending the partnership it was just that we did not have any bookings and uh, and yeah i got you and then i w- i all i w- I was also pushing, you know, to develop myself and uh, to, to, I was, I started assisting teachers and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I just took my way of, uh, um, how to say that I I was just going there to grow, to improve and taking opportunities. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So the partnership with Wotegi had, you're still in Warsaw. And I, I guess by this time you had been to Paris already for a few times, yeah? Yes. I guess after partnering with Wotek, uh, what happened in your dance scene there? Was that more where you got into the assisting? Because I, I think there's like a lot of videos with you with a lot of different uh, leads there's videos of you with yeah. like wrong. Yeah, and I mean it's not that and... after it's not that after partnership with Wojtek, then I started assisting. It was also during the partnership mm. that I was assisting. And and uh, yeah, it's like it was all mixed mixed up in a way that uh, uh, there was no finish, like you know. <laughs> at this date we stopped working and then I started assisting it just went naturally like I, I did not plan anything I just took the opportunities that I had so I was yeah I was assisting uh, a lot of artists uh, you know like Uncle Kenny and uh, Albire Laurent yeah so that was like my um the beginning to you know to to get more into the scene and uh, and then start something of my own because i didn't have a partner so uh, i mean uh, like because with Vitek we didn't have any bookings we didn't train we didn't have the you know or maybe I don't even really know why why it happened like it happened. It just it was it's yeah, it just happened like that. I don't have any explanation. <laughs> so so that was my way of growing in the scene to assist uh, other teachers. And because I was being asked. Out of the people that you've collaborated with, were they do you have like any particular memory that stands out with the different people that you have collaborated with? Mm, well, for example, with Laurent, I really appreciated his pedagogy and how he explained things, how he had everything, you know, like so logically put into order. So mm. I love that. Um, with Alvir, I loved his energy. I loved how he interacted with people, how he has such a good aura all the time. And, uh, yeah, with Uncle Kani, he's so, so crazy. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's so much fun. And he's so creative as well. So, yeah, like I had good experience. I had good experience and 
for sure from each one I could learn something and take something for myself. Definitely. So while you were assisting and doing things like that before you moved uh, to Paris and you, this is all happening while you're in Warsaw, did you still have a, another job that you were working? Mm, so uh, there was a time where I was working in a dance school. Uh, I was teaching salsa. Um, I was working as a receptionist as well. Then there was a time where I was at a school, like graphic design, learning graphic design and multimedia. Media. Mm -hmm. So multimedia. then I was not working. I was not working. And there was also a time where I had a break. <laughs> mm. uh, and after the school, uh, after graphic design, I was doing some website and some freelance stuff, uh, some designs. Uh, yeah. But then I also, I wanted to, it was not so long time ago, but I decided, you know, to invest in my dancing and, and focus on my dancing. Actually, it was before COVID started. So it was not the best time to pick, <laughs> but I decided to do just that. Mm. But otherwise, I don't have so much experience. So, so many jobs that I had, I was living in with my parents. Uh, so, so yeah, that was it. That was it. Not so many, not so many jobs to talk about. Mm. And from my understanding, from what we talked about before, you're, I guess, teaching your classes and trying to. I guess, earn money with that in Paris now, yeah? Yes. Um, you want me to speak more about how I'm managing here? I guess we could talk a little bit about, I guess, your overall vision of moving to Paris and I guess your long-term goals. Well, my, the, the, <laughs> the funny thing is the, the plan that I had mm -hmm. uh, before moving to Paris... I already planned it like long time ago before COVID, more than half a year ago. We were talking with Tiwash. He asked me to prepare for Olympiads with him, mm. organized by Laurent. And so I was supposed to move here to Paris, like from July, August or September and to stay till December and to really work hard and prepare, train every day, you know, and to stay with Tiwash at his house, uh, with his family. And um, that was the original plan. But because of COVID, uh, and it, it was still like, how to say that, up to date, no, not up to date, but it was still actual, like July, August, when we were speaking, it was still like, we want to do this. But then uh, like one week, two weeks before I came uh, in September, it was like uh, the situation was still bad and festivals got canceled. And so Tiwush had to, had to take his... Um, everyday like normal job you know from eight to uh how's how do you call that job just a uh, normal Z. job <laughs> I, is that it maybe so basically he, he was not he he is he was not able to train with me and like the olympiads we also don't know if it's not going to get postponed and if it's going to take place so there's no goal anymore as such 
And so, so yeah, so my plan to, to for my for my uh, trip to Paris like totally mm-hmm. changed, you know. Now I'm here and everything is working out. I have regular classes three times a week, two hours, uh, you know, beginner and intermediate. And I have trainings. Uh, Now I'm also starting to collaborate with some dancers for couple workshops, but also solo for ladies tagging. Now I will be giving a workshop organized by me and Dylan and for lady styling and so i get a lot of opportunities to you know to grow to teach to to collaborate with other dancers and so so everything is working out a little bit differently than i planned Mm. but but yeah we'll see where where it gets me i just i like that was that is my goal to you know to be able to leave from dancing so it's it is part of the plan to be here to teach to grow more to learn from other dancers that are here and yeah to learn french <laughs> as well to be able to learn to teach in french um yeah all that i love it and yeah, uh, awesome. always wanted to always wanted to move here so so that was that was definitely on my list. The weather, my plan, like even if my plan didn't work out, I'm I'm good here. I'm happy. I'm happy that that I'm here. Mm. And yeah. for long term here in Paris, well, it's hard to plan. If I will be able to, you know, make a living here, I will stay. I will stay longer for sure, for sure. And then we'll see. We'll see <laughs> what happens. Otherwise, for other projects, it's uh, it's as well hard to plan. Like for example, uh, projects with Treasure that we have, uh, you know, because of COVID, difficulties to travel. It's really hard to plan uh, trainings, and it's like everything is under question mark. How it's gonna evolve? So I would just you're just deciding on the spot when there's opportunity, then 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 we we trade we see each other and um, for for now it's hard to hard to plan for sure I want to develop more my solo career and invest in that and also the kind of entrepreneurial entrepreneurial how to say that the word I, uh, entrepreneurial. entrepreneurial mindset mm-hmm. you know like for example when I see Daniela in Holland she's like she's doing everything on her own you know organizing lady style classes and even you know she can lead she can give lady styling she can do whatever like she's really independent and I love I love that about it about her that um she doesn't need a partner to to be in the scene and to to yeah to 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 earn money with this and uh, and to be able to do that for 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 a living. I mean, she she has other job as well, but just that it's possible to be there in the scene as a lady without necessarily having a partner. 
being dependent on having a partner because for some time before I was like focused, I was that was kind of my excuse that I didn't have a partner and that it was more difficult for me and I didn't have so much confidence on you know doing things on my own yeah yeah Actually, from like one year, half a year, it really changed. My mindset really changed. And uh, being actually in Warsaw and not having a partner and not having so many opportunities, like really pushed me to, to, to do things on my own. And actually, I really loved the experience to be able to even create my own way of teaching and develop more and more and prepare by myself exactly the way I want, teach how I want. And if I don't have a regular partner, the problem is if I give like just one class with a dancer, doesn't matter if it's a good dancer. It's like, I need to adjust to his style. It doesn't need to like, you know, it's not that we developed something together. It's like every time I need to adjust to the style of my partner. And so uh, what I really liked about me teaching alone is that I can teach exactly how I feel the music, how I feel the dance, what I want to give to my students. So that was a good experience. That was a good experience to start doing things on my own as well. Although I do want to partner, I do want a partner, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to be dependent on it, you know? So now I'm more open to to work on my own as well mm-hmm. and do stuff what do you think about the the kiss scene when you take a look at it and i feel like when you take a look at other dance styles like tango or brazilian zouk and things like that i feel like you see a lot more established dance uh, partnerships at the top of the totem pole what are your thoughts on the way it is in kids. Why do you feel like so many of our talented follows don't have a partner or a lead? Is that something you notice? Yeah, for sure. I noticed. I don't know if I want to, uh, <laughs> if, if it's a good, I think you even had the subject already on the podcast with some ladies. Yes. I'm curious to your perspective though. I think it's kind of similar. The, the, I don't know if I want to, uh, abort, <laughs> how to say abort the subject. It's like yeah. it's just it's also the attitude of guys and really not having the respect for the ladies and not appreciating our role in the dance and the importance like that we also have a role there and that it's it's not just assisting and being there and just following it's a skill that you you know that you attain that you need to learn and Mm -hmm. it's as much important as you know being able to lead so there's just not enough appreciation for that and also yeah uh, and then also ladies letting themselves be just assistants. Like in the beginning for me, I was also just assisting and I was not so much of a, I didn't have like the voice that I can have now when I'm teaching. And it was also not so, I'd say not so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you mentioned before that there's a, a lack of appreciation 
where do you think would be a good idea of, for this appreciation to start to be more? Is it just a mindset switch? Should there be a role model or what do you think? Uh, I think there, there's a lot of stuff that influenced that from what I said, like, uh, um, there, there's part, like, a part of responsibility or on organizers that want just the guys without partners. Mm-hmm. And this is most important to, you know, to have the guy and afterward, after he can, like, he can just get a lady and give a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and uh, then responsibility of uh, guys that you know they don't want a partner or they don't they you know it's not it's not something they 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 think they need or they do not appreciate that. Oh. <laughs> it's a there's a lot of things coming to my mind to actually be able to put it into words properly. So I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because for me, I feel like it's, it's a mess. Everything that I'm saying now, but okay, I'm trying, I'm trying. So yeah. So part of responsibility with the, with the guys mm-hmm. that are teachers, uh, part of responsibility of us uh, as ladies that we don't take our voice or we agree to be less mm. than you know. Uh, so every everyone is you know responsible for that in a way. Uh, yeah, and agree. sometimes also participants, you know, students that sometimes they just accept it. They don't. They don't demand. You know, for or if there's a lady ladies don't ask, ask questions like I don't I don't want to put responsibility on that because it's actually teachers that are responsible but you know participant like students can also you know like want explain they can want explanation uh, they can be wanting explanations and asking questions uh, the ladies can be more demanding as to you know having workshops with also ladies that can explain properly. Uh, but of course, we, the students also, in a way, they do have a voice. And on the other hand, how to say, it's complicated, I think, for the students yeah, it's, too. It's definitely complicated, but I feel like maybe the more advanced students will definitely appreciate and maybe demand, not demand, but maybe ask for yeah. Uh, follow to be there to be able to give value to them, you know, because I feel like uh, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I'll I'll say it again. I feel like sometimes when you get better and maybe the class comes and the follow is not there and the follow is just a a puppet in the class to go through a pattern, then they stop going to coming to classes, you know? So then if people stop coming to classes, then there's no workshops, there's no classes for festivals and all this kind of thing, you know? So I feel like the, the student perspective is pretty important because without them, there's no classes, there's no socials, there's no festivals because we all depend on them buying their, their full passes. or Yeah, for sure. To, but it's like, it's like where when you have beginner uh, students, it's like they don't know uh, any better. They don't know anything. So the teachers set the standard, like you know, uh, they just accept the reality as it is. Like what they experience, they take it mm. as a you know, as a how to say, 
uh, normal thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the they default. just accept it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the default. That's it. Mm, so they don't know any better. So, yeah, maybe on this podcast, maybe a beginner might be listening and now they can just kind of open their mind to that perspective and be like, oh, I didn't think about this before. And now it's something they can be mindful of, you know, but I remember before you said that you really appreciated um, Laurent's pedagogy. And I think that's really awesome. And I feel like it's good for the scene overall to have instructors that have strong pedagogies, you know, and it's hard to develop pedagogy if you do not have a partner to kind of have both roles there to create yeah. um, the, the curriculum, you know? Yeah, for sure. And also like, it depends how serious you are about it because uh, it also takes a lot of time, energy, and uh, you know, thinking through to create a way of teaching and uh, also not just teaching steps, but, you know, all the things about the dance that mm-hmm. there are and to, if you're part, because there are also, you know, uh, for a lot of artists, it's like a side job to teach and to dance. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes it's also not, not, not possible in the same way to develop this kind of pedagogy, like strong pedagogy with a person that, you know, is not a full-time teacher, full-time that cannot invest uh, their time in Mm -hmm. such a way. But looking at other dance scenes, they're doing it, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Maybe, maybe we're just, uh, I think it's it's like a circle. It's a process as well. And a Mm -hmm. circle that, uh, how to say, like, Students are okay with just the steps and artists, uh, they are still booked even though they teach, you know, like um, that they don't have the strong pedagogy. They they are good dancers, have mm-hmm. great videos, have good promotion. So they are booked. But so, you know, it's like a circle that uh, it's, it's, it just works like that. I got you. Nice. It's up to us, I guess, up to us. Like everybody chooses for themselves how they want to teach, how they want to develop, how they want to grow. So definitely. So let's talk a little bit about your, I guess, vision or goals living in Paris now. Um, what are you hoping to achieve? Mm, I, I feel like I already spoke about it in a way. That um, actually being here is already part of my goal and being mm-hmm. able to, you know, even today I was training with Dylan and Steffi and, you know, um, preparing for workshops, having opportunity to train with, you know, people that also want to grow into dance uh, that are really, you know, high level that I can exchange with, like mm-hmm. improve my dance and grow is, is definitely part of my, my goal for being here, you know, mm-hmm. and also to improve my teaching skills, my entrepreneurial, your, uh, you know, uh, mindset and skills, because now 
I think it's the first time I decided to organize something on my, of my own, but well, mm-hmm. like with another lady. But still, it's like it's good for me to change, you know, the environment and to to let myself uh, be more creative with the things I can do and uh, you know how to make a living out of it in these hard times. Definitely. Um, and so ideally you would stay living in Paris and not go back to Warsaw or maybe bounce back and forth or. Well, if, um, I would like to uh, go back to Warsaw from time to time for sure to give some workshops, to have private classes with people, to see my family. But for now, I'm, I'm, I would definitely want to spend at least a few months here to, to dance and see how it develops for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe stay for longer. I, I really enjoy it here. Um, and uh, and uh, I hope to be able to stay here and to, to, to organize myself in a way that it's going to be possible. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think, I think Paris is uh, Paris for sure. And maybe someday Holland. Maybe someday mm-hmm. Holland. Nice. We will see. Well, we will see how how is the how it's going to work. For sure. So, for our listeners, uh, do you have any like future projects or anything like that that you want to let the people know about? Oh well, um, I am supposed to prepare some online classes for Nadine from Russia from Kizahra. I mm-hmm. think I don't know if I can speak about it like how uh, because she wants to make an app uh, with some Kizamba, you know, um, content mm-hmm. and uh, like some videos and some inst- how to say tutorials, things like that. But not only like a lot of things, a lot of content content connected to to dancing to urban keys Kizamba. So. Um, I might have video, some videos there that uh, you would be able to see and learn from. Mm-hmm, so um, otherwise, otherwise uh, you can follow me on my social media and, uh, you know, if you enjoy watching my videos, uh, they're all there on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, so you can follow me there for sure. And then just... Um, the usual things like workshops definitely if you're in Paris I have regular classes here so you can contact me if you want to know more I can give private classes Uh, um, maybe I will think about some online classes so Mm. if someone would be interested or like private coaching things online as well because it's people now because of COVID uh, they do that as well so yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't want to promise anything for now. What, what's the leader like? Uh, just stay tuned. So you can uh, keep in touch with me. Sweet, sweet, sweet. And I'll make sure to include all of your links in okay. the show notes, so people who are listening, they can go to the website and the Neil Kizuma website, and they can find your social media there. That works. Let's go. Okay. Uh, We have 
Um, I have three questions here that I would like to ask you just to get to know you on a personal level. And then we can talk about the ending quote and then we mm -hmm. can wrap up the podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So are there any interesting quirks or like personality traits that you think that a lot of people don't know about you? Oh, okay. That was a question. Like I would, I wasn't sure what I can, mm -hmm. um, how I can answer that, but I'm not sure if it's a, if, if it can be treated as such what I'm going to say, but, um, I would say breathing <laughs> as it's, a uh, for a lot of people, it's, uh, like, uh, you know, it's like very unconscious, like mm -hmm. normal thing that we all yes, do not, in our everyday lives to be. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's it. But for me, it's like a, it's a skill. It's a, it's a, uh, what's the word? Uh, let me, let me check. Actually, I really need this word mm. to explain a tool for me. It's a, like, it's a great, great tool in life, in dancing, uh, that, yeah, that I'm really conscious about and that I'm using it So what do you do it, to uh, develop that tool for breathing? Um, do you have like a drill or exercise or... Honest, no, honestly, uh, well, uh, actually, when I was starting the, uh, social dancing, uh, the first, I think, my contact with conscious breathing was uh, like lady styling classes mm -hmm. um, for salsa. It was actually more body movement and working with the body uh, and everything that we did was synchronized with breathing, you know, and it was really the, the focus went on breathing and connecting the movements with the body, connect, like focusing on our center. And this was, I think, my first, um, yeah, my, like my first contact with really being conscious about it and using it in the dance and how much it helps you with being, you know, more connected with your body, more natural with the movements, more controlling. Yeah, it was, um, it was my first contact. Then in Zoom yeah, the for the really connection yeah. and kind of following the breathing, synchronizing the breathing with your partner. And yeah, that was also super useful. And I also, also remember like Shandy, uh, I don't know if you know him from Zuxi. You know, always yes, breathing and him. saying Shandy, Shandy, yes, and you know, saying enjoy life and you know, just about being there, present, enjoying life, breathing. So that was uh, like another thing to to take. Uh, and then it was just myself, you know, um, focusing on that and using it in everyday life, and for how to say. Um, it influences, you know, our emotions as well, or if we're relaxed or agitated and stuff like this, it's really useful to yeah, definitely to use in everyday life and just to yeah, really a from time. It's, to, yeah. to, to build on yeah. for sure. Mm. So yeah, for me, it changes everything. It can change everything when you start being conscious about it, about your breathing. And I actually talk about it in the classes, when I teach lady styling. Yeah, and what are the advantages of uh, conscious mm -hmm. breathing in the yeah, dance, for sense. example. Okay, uh, next question. 
what is the first app that you open up on your phone in the morning? Yeah, the, I don't have any interesting answer to that. It's either social media and or replying to messages. But which which particular app? Oh, no particular, no particular app. It depends. Like if I like, for example, now it's usually I need to open WhatsApp to see like what time I'm gonna need for the training. You know, <laughs> for example, mm-hmm. <laughs> that day because sometimes I. We set it like the same day. Okay, we meet at this time and this time before classes. So I just check my WhatsApp to know when I need to be ready, when I need to go out. Um, sometimes I open my notes with things to do, like my lists with things to do for mm-hmm. the day. Uh, but yeah, uh, no particular app. Like it can be WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram. Yeah, but it's, it's this. I or notes, or my notes. Mm-hmm. And I have one last question that I didn't have on the list. Mm-hmm. If you could eat one particular food, but only this food for a whole month, which food would you choose? Oh, wow. Oh, that's a difficult question. But one food as a dish or one food as a... What, whatever you want. Whatever I want. But that can be the only thing that you eat for a month. It's a difficult question. Very, very, very difficult. And because I also um, have some, how to say, diet restrictions. And uh, then, Mm. wait. I did not expect that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Something to be nutritious so that I have the energy for the day, but it's still tea. I think, and and that I can still eat. Uh, Wait. I think it would be some... um, some dish like rice with vegetables and uh, chicken, like, you know, that I have everything there <laughs> that I need, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, yeah, like, you know, you have curry or, yeah, dish like this. So something to, so your focus is your, to make sure it's something that you can eat and then energy for the dancing, yeah? Uh, Those would yeah, be like your priorities. Something that is nutritious. Uh, something that is nutritious that will give me the energy that uh, will fill my stomach as well. Um, mm-hmm. It will give me vitamins and proteins and everything that I need. So, <laughs> so I gotcha. yeah. Okay, no worries. That was a good question. All right. Um, for our last little bit here of the podcast. Um, did you think of a quote to share with yes. our audience? Yes. But it's actually, it's not a known quote. It was just a thing that my friend wrote once on Facebook. And I really, mm-hmm. I really loved it. And uh, it was actually in French. So I'm, I will be translating this to English. I hope it is correct the way I translate it. Uh, so here it goes. Okay. You are 100% uh, percent responsible for your life and the idea that you have of people that surround you. Choose wisely your vibration. And why did this resonate with you? Because uh, it's so it's powerful for me. It's so true that, first of all, yes, you're 100% responsible for your life. So, you know, to be active and to to take action in your life and not to make excuses or um, how 
to say like if you choose something it's like or you have this kind of life how to say that that you just take responsibility that's it and you admit that mm. you can change things that gives you power you know in life to to change um and then the idea that you have of people that surround you is also so true because so many times we just uh with our thoughts of other people we just reflect what is inside of us it's not necessarily that they are this way but it's our idea of them like it's and it's it influences how we treat other people how we approach them and everything it's uh and a lot of times it's uh it's just us and not them so definitely um yeah so it can really change so much in your life these two things and make you happier as well <laughs> so so yeah i think definitely. it's it's important all right maria well thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to sit down and talk. It was awesome to get to learn more about your journey and find out more about you as a dancer and as a person. Um, I'm looking forward to putting this out there for the public. Um, did you have any last words for the listeners? Uh, I don't know why, but uh, what comes to my mind is like, enjoy life. <laughs> you know? mm. But uh, um, no, nothing, nothing else that I want to say, I guess. I was a little bit stressed and also with my English not being practiced recently, I hope that uh, I could um, express myself properly more or less and uh, yeah the, otherwise uh, I hope to meet you guys uh, somewhere uh, the, the situation is gonna get well soon and we will be able to you know to travel and to meet and uh, hopefully I will be able to meet you someday again for sure I remember the dance that we had in Sweden yeah it was monday night that was one of my best dances ever wow i also i remember that so well it was so long such a long time ago and mm -hmm. it is so amazing that we can meet like dancing actually changed so much in my life and you know the people that i'm meeting through dance it's really amazing it's really amazing and i'm really really thankful for that awesome yeah so just much love to to everyone and uh thank you for taking the time to listen to to the podcast and i'm really uh touched if you were interested in hearing about my story and what i had to say so thank you for taking the time to hear that and um yeah that's, that's it that's all i got to say okay All right. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Baby, tú estás más segura en mi cama Vamos a morir matando la 
ganas Que ya se acaba hoy Baby, déjame entrar Se acelera más tu corazón Y no estés miedo por satisfacción Ya estás desnuda y en posición Baby. 